Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. Today is April 9th, 2019. This is indeed a busy week. It's Tuesday, and since yesterday, a lot has happened. New tariffs on the EU, border issues, more fake news, uh, William Barr testifying. And you know what? He's there talking about his budget, but obviously they're there pushing their narratives, of course, and making slide remarks that we'll analyze. We've got Nivixen being wiped off the internet like nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about big superstars, rich persons connected to high-level politicians that what? That engage in human trafficking and child exploitation. So they're exploiting children. Mark Garagos is still the active attorney for Claire Bronfman. And remember, he's also in a lot of trouble with trying to extort Nike. But he's playing the fact that he was Avenatti's attorney. So we'll see how that pans out. So we've got a lot going on. Chicago going insane. Europe is crumbling. But our economy is popping. I mean, we are the envy of everybody. So I wanted to, to kind of start with what went on today. So today in front of the Appropriations Committee, William Barr, along with Lafay, who are who's the um, chief financial officer for the Department of Justice, went before the committee in order uh, to discuss the matters in regards to the budget and what they want. Believe it or not, Serrano and the chair of the whole committee, Lowey, so ridiculous, guys, so ridiculous. Oh, you know, we were waiting for your Mueller report and, you know, you're kind of don't let someone above you tell you that you can't give it to us. Like these are his words. This, it's like you're in high school. We're playing, you know, kid games right now. It was the most ridiculous thing I had ever seen uh, or heard, I guess, ever heard. It was so horrible. I couldn't believe that they were being so petty. And at some point saying, oh, I just can't believe you went through so many hundreds of documents and only came up with that summary. Well, yeah, that's the initial summary. So the report, according to William Barr, will be released... Uh, within the next week. Take a listen. Even though he's testifying for his budget, what he was really talking about before he got into the budget, and we'll talk about that too. Special Counsel Mueller's investigation 
be shared with Congress and the public. We agree on that. FBI Director Ray, the nation's top counterintelligence investigator, told us last week he had not... not read the special counsel's report. My question is, with regard to your March 24th and 29th letters to the Judiciary Committees, is special counsel Mueller or anyone in his team, on his team, have a role in drafting them or reviewing them in advance? Did you use any of the summary documents prepared by the special counsel in drafting these documents? 24th and 29th. Um, we, on the, the letter of the 24th, uh, Mr. Mueller's team did not play a role in drafting that uh, document, although we offered him the opportunity to review it before we sent it out, and he declined that. Okay, key point there. They created the document from March 24th, and they offered Mueller the opportunity to review it, but he declined it. Uh, the letter on the 29th, I don't believe that that was reviewed by Mr. Mueller or that they participated in drafting that letter. But to go back to something you said in your opening statement about the availability of the report, as I've said, as you pointed out, since my confirmation, I do think it's important that the public have an opportunity to, to, to learn the results of the of uh, the special counsel's work. And I said then that I would work diligently to make as much information uh, public as I could and available to Congress as I could. You will recognize that I'm operating under a regulation that uh, was put together during the Clinton administration and does not provide for the publication of the report. But I am uh, relying on my own discretion uh, to make as much public as I can. Now, in my letter of the t March 29th, I identified four areas that I feel should be redacted. Just a reminder, did you hear what he said? That he cannot release the report because of a law and an order put forward through the Clinton administration disallowing... Um, the release of special reports, possibly due to the impeachment of former disgraced Bill Clinton is a rapist Clinton. So let's be clear. He doesn't he's not allowed to actually release the report. And that's been the case since the Clinton administration. Just to be clear. Did And I think most people would agree. The first is grand jury information, 6E material. The second is information that the, ICE, the intelligence community believes would reveal intelligence sources and methods. The third uh, are information in the report that could interfere with ongoing prosecutions. Uh, you will recall that uh, the special counsel did spin off a number of cases that are still being pursued, and we want to make sure that none of the information in the report would impinge upon either the ability of the prosecutors to prosecute the cases or the fairness to the defendants. And finally, uh, uh, we uh, intend to redact information uh, that implicates the privacy or reputational interests of peripheral players where there is a decision not to charge them. Uh, right now, the special counsel is working with us on 
identifying information in the reports that fall under those four categories. We will color code the excisions from the report and we will provide explanatory notes describing the basis uh, for each redaction. So for example, if a redaction is made because of a court order in a pending prosecution, we'll state that and we will, dis we will uh, distinguish between the various categories. This process is going along uh, very well and uh, my original timetable uh, of being able to release this uh, uh, by mid-April stands. And so I, I think that uh, from my standpoint, uh, by the, by, uh, within a week, uh, I will be in a position to release the report to the public, and then I will uh, engage with the chairman of both judiciary committees about that report and about any further requests that they have. So let me just get one thing clear for the record. Uh, my concern during my opening statement. Okay. So I just want to go back to what he was saying. So he was talking about grand jury, right? He can't put information on that, on pending investigations and stuff that would stumble. And he said ICE. And then he was like intelligence community. So what would Immigration's Customs Enforcement personnel have in regards to the witch hunt? That was a slip. Could it have been a misspoken thing? I don't think a man like Barr misspeaks. Ice. So this morning, two articles ran where I... Uh, actually, it was yesterday that I ran one and today two more where I demonstrated on my article yesterday how the Obama administration defunded ICE in regards to their investigation that was initiated in 2006. And in 2009, they had a list of over 5,000 names of people working within the government, Senate, House, NASA, Pentagon, DOJ, DOD, any three-letter agency you want, even in the NSA, some holding the highest clearance that you can have in our country as sexual predators. I urge you to find the article on torysays.com. You will see that the reasoning for the case closing in 2009 so swiftly was due to lack of funding. People and uh, agencies that were on a state level that had pursued some of these individuals, we did have a handful of arrests, some captains, some active duties, some reservist um, personnel, but they wanted to prosecute. And there is one case specifically that I make reference to from Pennsylvania where they were unable to prosecute them for having child pornography, disseminating child pornography, and or participating in the creation of child pornography. They were not able to prosecute because ICE did not respond. And what's funny is you'll see that 
Former President Barack Obama had increased the budget almost by 43% of ICE throughout his administration, but deportations were going down. Where was that money going? And why was this specific investigation called Operation Flicker? People call it Project Flipper, Flicker. It's Operation Flicker, which, by the way, in my article, I show you the actual URL to the Department of De- to the Department of Defense Department of Justice, where the PDF of that document used to exist uh, in 2014, when everything was shut completely down, and that's missing. It's pretty incredible how we are not really paying attention. They're everywhere. Human and child trafficking, child exploitation, human exploitation is one of the most lucrative industries on the planet aside from what? Drugs, right? Pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals and drugs belong together. He said ice. I just wanted to mention that because we're going to get into Navixum. We're going to get into ICE. We're going to get into child exploitation. We're going to revisit Senator Jeff Merkley. Obviously, tomorrow I'm going to have Cindy Gomez with me on for two hours where we're going to go through what is really going on at the border. She's going to take it to you from the Mexican side. I'm going to take it to you from the U.S. side, and we're going to break it down like nobody's business because you know what? The news aren't telling you what's really going on at the border. And all these statements, oh, the president suddenly said, you've got a year to fix it. He gave Mexico a year to clean up their government. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Now let's just listen to what Barr is saying. I just wanted to point out that he said ICE. It's really important you remember that for the future. ICE. We'll revisit this video when it comes about. But here we have Serrano asking him during a budget meeting, right? This is a hearing for the budget, right? This is before he even talks about his budget. This is the stuff that they're putting on. Tell us about the Mueller report. Tell us about this. So he answered, unless it's an active investigation currently under grand jury, uh, would compromise any intelligence or if it's someone that could be implicated, that would cause harm to their person that we will not be prosecuting. We're not going to mention them. So here is uh, the response he gets after he's told that he's going to be getting it in about a week. That when you redact something, we should know what area falls under that you say will happen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Your March 24th letter indicated that some actions the special counsel investigated as potentially raising obstruction of justice's concerns had not been publicly reported. Will these actions be identified in the report sent to Congress? Uh, as things stand now, I, I don't think that they will be redacted, so they will be identifiable. All right. Yes. Thank you. Things will be redacted, but doesn't mean they're going to be identifiable. What does that tell you? That tells you that he already told him we're going to color code it and tell you color code it. That is how simple he's going to make it for them to understand what they're not allowed to see, what they're not allowed to view, because it'll compromise ongoing investigations or persons. So that was the introduction. We even had, uh, you know... uh, 
the overall chairperson, she was so despicable in the way she spoke, in the tone she spoke. It was so, it was so hard to hear it too. She was saying, oh, you're just cherry picking from your report just to make the president look better. I'm telling you, these are her words. I urge you guys to go back and see the streams. I'm pretty sure Fox did a full live stream. She said statements like extraordinary. It's so extraordinary to make such definitive legal conclusions in less than 48 hours. I would argue that that's suspicious rather than impressive. Uh, So his blurb which had exactly what they wanted to know is president Trump or anyone in his campaign or family being indicted. That's what he gave him, which was no. So she also said, you wrote a memo laying out, um, uh, you know, before you were AG, how the president of the United States had a great case against obstruction of justice. You did an audition really well. Now I said that too. He wanted to be in his uh, purview, right? And that is how you do it. You position yourself and you posture so that someone who will be paying attention sees you, especially a man like Bill Barr. He doesn't go and pick up phone calls or send texts and say, hey, want to hire me? He doesn't have headhunters going out, but the headhunters for the president that were looking for AGs or people that were making recommendations were keeping their purview, you know, had William Barr in their purview. This is why I said what he did was indeed posturing and he wanted to get himself into the Trump administration. Hence why I have zero trust in him. And I know a lot of people are throwing a lot of weight. Hey, he's the grown up in the house. Like uh, Nunes says, uh, we're going to be getting it done. You know, we've got the big boys playing now. We've got an AG that's a grown up. You know, that's that was a statement that totally discredited through annihilated Jeff Sessions, um, who played a lot of politics. But for me, I'm still of the fact that William Barr will not um, maintain his position if things go according to their plan that they have planned and they have mapped out from the day he postured himself. And that was two years before even being on the radar. So anyway, um, this, you know, this you know, grandstanding that, uh, the chairperson and Serrano did were just disgusting. Um, I wanted to highlight though, some of the important, um, 2020 budget requests that the department of justice has made. So, um, with these requests, I'm going to tell you what the chairperson, Lowy, said she didn't like. She saw that there was a significant increase in immigration judges, um, and it reduces programs that are essential, she says, uh, in the DOJ. Uh, the programs that she considers essential is the COPS program, which is like, you know, for community um, community training, you know, for um Uh, let's just put it this way. Snitches. How's that? (laughs) It's community. It's community training for snitches. So how do you snitch on people, your CIs? So that's a 250 or 200 to 250 million budget that they're killing. It's that's how much decrease it's getting the DNA initiative program. They're cutting $25 million from that. And she claimed, well, that's important because there's a backlog of rape kits and stuff like that. Basically, the DNA initiative, just so you know, is another way. It started 
started in 2006. And it was a way to collect biometric information from people and store it on national databases. So obviously, if you join the military or work for the federal government, you're going to give prints, iris, DNA, everything. And when you go to the hospital, you also get your DNA um, taken, you know, through your blood. You don't know that, but if you actually read the fine print, a lot of hospitals participate in these programs like the DNA Initiative, and they have it on there. So... What is that? So let's pretend you're, you know, 22, you're dating this chick, um, you know, same age as you in college, and she's upset that you're dating her friend. She's like, oh my God, he raped me. And then, you know, you're found innocent, but they swab you to make sure that you didn't rape her or you didn't do something. You're on the system. So even though there was no prosecution against you and everything, they collected your sample. So that sample sits on the shelf, along with millions of others of people that have been wrongfully accused, wrongfully arrested, etc. They don't process it and put it in the system unless there's an actual charge, right? So this program was to process all that information and process all the stuff they get from hospitals that you don't know they're getting. So they reduced that program. And um, the recommendation from Barr was to also reduce uh, $48 million in juvenile justice. Um, And she claims it's to prevent juvenile crime uh, and, you know, create programs for that. So she was like, these are unacceptable reductions. And all of these reductions uh, in the DOJ's budget are from programs that are not really important right now. Um. They aren't compared to what they put. So what Barr did was he demonstrated that as of January 2017, in two years, the Department of Justice actually broke the record for prosecuting people with violent crimes and firearm offenses, right? So that's number one. In 2018, there were more firearm prosecutions and people for homicide um, than ever. Homicide had gone down by 4.3% nationwide. There's a decline in um, uh, violent assault by 6% and um, robbery and burglary as well, 6%. Uh, He had asked that they increase to maintain that, you know, that that path, they want to increase their budget by $137 million for violent crime transnational organizational criminal units. So organized crimes, gangs, mobs, networks, pedophile rings, MS-13, El Salvadorian cartels, Native American underground, all those. And he also wants to... Um, fund an extra $100 million on Project Safe Neighborhood. Project Safe Neighborhood is what, guys? Human and child trafficking. So that is the program that cracks down on child exploitation, child pornography, human trafficking, child trafficking, sex slaves, organ donors, you name it, they look into it. And he wants to give them $100 million. Who's with me? I'm totally with him. And then he wants another $5.8 million to enhance uh, the abilities of tracking down and prosecuting violent crimes and uh, firearm crimes. So, so that's interesting. So he made all these annotations, uh, these, these budget increases um, he asked for by demonstrating what the president has done. He even stated that within two years of this administration, there have been more arrests in organized crimes than the previous administration in totality. That is huge. 
that tells you either the previous administration was on board and working with these organized crime units or they didn't care or what they were part of it just putting it out there so that was his first section so before I cut to the break I thought I could play you guys a video uh, that I found a report down in Ohio where uh, this researcher is put together in regards to child traffickers and pedophilia this has to do with project safe neighborhood uh, that William Barr is asking a hundred million dollars for in the budget so hopefully I can get it up let's see if we have enough time to play it before the break I'm gonna see because I think it's actually two minutes so I might have to wait after the break or I can start it for you guys so you can hear it all right so yeah this is so you do know what um, Alice Day is right we're gonna talk about Alice Day I don't think a lot of you actually know what Alice Day is uh, this is a two-minute video so I'll do it right after the break but Alice Day is the day that pedophiles child traffickers people that diddle with kids celebrate and get together and share tips and tricks on how to evade the law and these are all done through the dark net, through, you know, concealed pages, facet groups. Some of them live on Chan boards, too, and deeply embedded boards because, you know, there's so many of them. So when I get back from th this break, we'll talk about Alice Day. We'll talk about Nivixum. And then in the second half, we'll start talking about the rest of the budget proposal that Barr made that ties into border security. I'll see y'all in a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. That's 855 729-78. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Remember, you can always follow me on Gab and Twitter at Tori underscore says. So where we left off is about human and child trafficking and LSD. Um, I just wanted to point out that during this hearing, William Barr made one very profound and loud statement. He said, I want to make it clear that it is top priority for the Department of Justice to tackle human and child trafficking. I just wanted to point that out. He made that clear. So Alice Day. Alice Day is on April 25th. Alice Day, for those of you like myself that are involved in hunting down these organized crime rings that traffic, uh, you know, adults and children, We all know that on this day is the day that they get together. They throw parties on farms. So when you see your local politicians, your local law enforcement, or people you know throwing a party or a get-together around April 25th, and you suspect that they may be diddling, you better know that Alice Day is around the corner on the day of the celebration. So... It's pretty incredible. I want you guys to hear this report. It's just two minutes long, but take a listen to how profound this is. Now, an E-Team exclusive. All right, this is an important one for parents and caregivers. Child abusers and pedophiles are out and about today. Yeah, News 5's Lauren Wilson spoke exclusively with the man who's tracking down those criminals. This is from last year, by the way. Extra vigilant. A year ago, I told you about Alice Day, the day when sex traffickers and pedophiles parade around this teddy bear symbol, trading tips and tricks on how to get their next victims. On this Alice Day, Dr. Jesse Bach's new study exposes who these perpetrators actually are. 
It is uh, a rabbit hole and depends on how far you want to go down. In his study with Cleveland State, Dr. Bach collected data from offenders caught on the dark net, a web of password-protected pages not accessible to the general public. So a lot of times we think of them as an other. But that's wrong. The profile, typically a white male, varying socioeconomic status, and mostly connected to law enforcement, like officers, firefighters, and public officials. When you think that this is a crime that's hidden in plain sight from trusted people right around you, that's very difficult to stomach. They hide behind who they are and what they are, their title. Living most of her life as a human trafficking victim, Annette Mango confirms people she thought could protect her wouldn't. Instead, they participated. And they would say that they're human too. You know, that's their work. Being a policeman is their job like any other person is a job, but when they're off, they still, that has nothing to do with anything else. A big part of why it's so hard to get out, though three years ago, she did. It's been remarkable. Alice Day does exist and is alarming. Dr. Bach says human traffickers are on the prowl every day. He says parents should be talking to their kids about giving consent and what that really means and telling them if they feel something weird, be sure to tell someone. Huh. For the E-Team, I'm Lauren Wilson. So Incredible, right, guys? So I tweeted that out for anyone on Twitter. I just tweeted out that video that was um, put out by um, 101st Dragon. It's incredible. They have their own special day. Like we have Earth Day, World AIDS Day. They've got Pedophile Day, and it's called Alice Day. And like the man said, how far deep into the rabbit hole do you want to go? And like the article that I put out yesterday, where there were over 5,000 people to have been found disseminating, creating, sharing, posting, and participating in creating themselves child pornography, working within the highest seats our government has to offer. And the Obama administration killed that. That should tell you a lot of everything you should know, right? That speaks volumes in itself. Just like how it speaks volumes, how anyone tweeting, sharing anything, Nivixum, anything about these, you know, organized crime sex cult rings is suppressed by Twitter. You know, I was, I was watching Allison Mack's Instagram. Guys, this chick literally posts, you know, oh, I'm having coffee. Oh, I love my mama. Isn't it a wonderful day? And it's like, no, you exploited children. You admitted to having a slave in your closet. You admitted and you pled guilty to having sexual slaves and coercing women to join. And yet, guys... When this all came to light uh, in 2017, just so you guys can understand just how far they'll go to spread disinformation, Snopes actually said, and fact check it and said it's false. It said, did Allison Mack confess she sold children to Rothschilds or Clintons or pled guilty to any of that? And you know what they say? Actress Allison Mack confessed that she sold children to Rothschilds and Clintons is false. When actually she said she did 
to the companies, not them directly. This is where they go to, guys. They will discredit anything. In actual fact, they say that she didn't confess to anything and that it's fake news and your newswire is fake for publishing exaggerated data. But didn't she just plead guilty two days ago? And let me walk you through what Nevixim is, you guys. So in March, after our president took office, right? After our president, uh, a man named Keith Renier was arrested and charged with sex trafficking for his role in the Vixen. And this is a cult that has existed and was founded supposedly like as a name was founded in 1998 because they had to operate as a company, right? And there are many, many members to it. Um, you know, obviously we know it's Allison Mack. Now we know it's Claire Bronfman, but whatever. Anyway, what you really need to know is that it's based in Albany, New York. It's got connections all over the world. So it's global. And it portrays itself as a way to get self-help and to empower women. It was actually pushed um, uh, into the spotlight, most people think, from investigations that were done from the New York Times after it was discussed in early 2017, early on during the first few months of the Trump administration. And this, and the New York Times actually um, wrote an article about it because, you know, Backpage happened and, uh, you know, they were getting leaks everywhere. And they uh, did an investigation of women who were referred to as slaves and subject to like ritual humiliations, brandings, and being told to star themselves, you know, so that uh, Keith Renier was, um, was happy with them because, you know, they had to be pretty to have sexual encounters with them. They wanted to please him. So he was arrested. Now, how did everybody else get involved? Um, so what we know, you know, um, Alison Mack was known for her Smallville acting, right? And she was um, brought into Nevixen back in 2005, 2006, if I remember correctly. And so it was Kristen Crook that brought her in. Now, Crook had admitted that she was involved uh, directly with this sex cult. And she uh, claims that the brandings and humiliation practices, um, you know, uh, happened after she joined, like it didn't happen when she did. So she thought that, you know, that people that were saying that they were branded or slaved out or pimped out were false. That's what she said on Twitter. Crook said that on Twitter herself. And so, um, basically what sex trafficking is, is that you're pimping someone out, right? I take you and I'm like, all right, you're going to sleep with this dude. He's going to pay you a hundred dollars. You give me 75 and you keep 25 or I keep all of it. And you just assume you're happy with me being happy that you completed the task I gave you. So, you know, the charges for being found to be a sex trafficker uh, can, can be life in prison. Right. And, Mac was one of these top members of this cult, of this 
organized gang that would traffic women and some of them would be in Keith Renee's harem you know what a harem is a harem is like what sultans used to have you know in the olden times you know how you watch these movies with Arabs sitting in tents and all these women dancing for them the Chinese called them concubines right where they had rooms with all these women that were just there to please the emperor or the sultan this is basically how Keith Renier saw himself he saw himself as the emperor of sex slavery and sex trafficking and human trafficking in general. So he kept, and just like the women said, only the best looking ones around him with the possibility that they may be having a sexual encounter with him because they praised him. They looked up to him. They wanted to be his concubine, his, you know, part of his harem. This is how it went. Mac, on the other hand, and other people were brought in to do simply one thing. And that's to bring more women into this. Women, young children into this so that they can be part of it. So they can be pimped out. So they can be the servants to Weinstein. If you wanted a favor from Weinstein, it's not always you gave yourself up as an actress. But your PR guy or your agent or your friend would be like, hey, I'll send over a couple women to take care of you and you take care of my girl or my guy for that role. That's how things happen. It's not always like you spread your legs to, to, to the creepy old dude. You know, he does that too because he thinks everyone owns him. But you, you owes him. But I want you guys to understand that these women, when they're sent off to clients... The client can do anything they want to that child or to that woman. It's not like pretty woman where it's like 50 bucks for this, 100 bucks for that. This trick is this. This is where they go and they don't know what they will find. Will it be a 50 shades of grades? You know, I whip you. I torture you. You submit to me. I pee on you. Or is it I asphyxiate and kill you or disembowel you in the act, disembowel you while, you know, we're having sexual contact because this stuff is real. And these are people that disappear every day that no one is looking for that voluntarily comply to be part of these things. Let's not talk about the concubine slash harem chicks that would lay around on couches waiting for Keith to, to, to assail them. No, no, no. Let's not talk about this. Let's talk about the women that made the money. The women that they would send off to clients. The women that Claire would send off to clients. The women that Claire would invite to her parties to entertain her guests. Right? Think of the parties. You have a party with 25 people and you bring 10 women or children for entertainment. Kind of like the WikiLeaks email. We have this child, this child, and this child in the pool for your entertainment. Because that's totally something you say when you're inviting people to a party. These are people that no one looks for. These are people that to them are nothing but toys. Nothing but tools. Nothing but products, a consumer good. If you guys can fathom the idea that these people consider other people consumer goods, it'll make more sense to you because we can't fathom that, right? We can't. We cannot fathom that there are people like that on the planet, but there are. 
There are, and there's so many of them. Kristen Crook still talking. I mean, she even tweeted out on the 29th of March. She says, when I was about 23, I took an executive success program, Nivixum Intensive, what I understood to be self-help personal growth course that helped me handle my previous shyness. Which is why I continued with the program. I left about five, this is from 2018, sorry. I left about five years ago and had, and had minimal contact with those who were still involved. The accusations that I was in the inner circle or recruited women as sex slaves are blatantly false. During my time, I never experienced any illegal or nefarious activity. I'm horrified and disgusted by what has come out Thank you to all of the brave women who have come forward to share their stories. Expose DOS. I can't imagine how difficult this has been for you. I'm deeply disturbed and embarrassed that I've been associated with Nivixum. I hope that the investigation leads to justice for all those affected. Liar, liar, pants on fire. The only reason she came out is because of what happened with Backpage and how they're linking everything. I mean, guys, remember... Gillibrand, who's running for president, her dad is connected to Nevixum. This goes everywhere. They're all in full panic mode, of course. And here's Sarah Edmondson tweeting out. She's a Canadian actress who told the New York Times about her chilling experience with Nevixum. And she actually tweeted her support for Crook. She said, for the record, my dear friend, Crook, was never in the inner circle of Nevixum. She never recruited sex slave and has been out since 2013 before shit, she said that, not me, got weird. She's a lovely person who would, who should not be dragged into this mess. Thank you. She's covering for her. There is no way because Crook was the one that recruited Allison Mack. Allison Mack said that. She testified that. So this is, this is how they cover up for each other. Some of the victims, uh, you know, even cover up for their perpetrators, which is horrible. It is really, really horrible. And the judge, a Greek guy, actually, uh, Garufus, he was, you know, he's really crapping the, cracking the whip on this. Right. He said he won't stand for any misconduct in the sense of allegations like misbehavior, as they saw with the conviction of El Chapo. You know how people, you know, were talking about it. He said if the jurors go on the Internet, Twitter, um, they're ignoring their duties and it's a huge issue and he's going to come down very hard on the jurors and he'll make a reference to the U.S. attorney to get with them. Like he is cracking the whip on the on the jurors themselves for spreading gossip or talking or leaking about the defendants in the trial. So he's he's really concerned about um, information being leaked. And the concern is and I'm telling you, it's not the rumors like these guys are disgusting. Right. Uh, you know what they've done and what the, what crimes are coming out throughout this long and and very complex case are horrific to what they did to women. His concern is letting people know what is being discussed when it's not supposed to be discussed so that they can cover up their tracks. Remember what our president said? I'm not going to tell him I'm coming. I'm just going to do it and then tell him I'm here. You know, that's, that's how you do it. 
You don't tell people you're coming. It's like me. When I ask for information, it's not because I don't have it. It's because I want you to know I have it. I want you to confirm that you know I have it or provide it to me so that it can be legally sourced. So um, so I can follow like a trail of sourcing that um, information. So that is basically what is happening with Navixum now. Like we have her, uh, she pled uh, just yeah on the 4th, wasn't it, that she pled? And it shows um, that Mac, you know, wants to defend herself against sex trafficking and racketeering charges, but she pled guilty um, to racketeering and um, exploitation. So it, you know, but what she's asking for is that her trial is separate to that of Keith Ringier. She doesn't want to be dragged in with him. Why is it that she doesn't want to be dragged in with him? The reason is because he has a more nefarious side. He is more highly networked. And if she gets dragged into it and asks questions or that they intertwine, she could give up people that can actually take her out. And, and you know, when you're that visible, it's really hard to take you out. But I mean, the Secure Drop co-founder committed suicide all of a sudden. Uh, people, you know, go all the time. Remember the day before that UN off- official that was testifying against Hillary accidentally died while he was working out at 4 a.m. in his apartment by dropping a barbell on his neck. So stuff happens. So I get it. Um, Mac the other day when she pled, she was like crying and said she, and here's the thing, New York times posted is, Oh, she took responsibility for her actions for recruiting women into Navixum guys. She, she created sex slaves. It's really bad. She, she claims that she joined the group because she wanted to find a purpose. You were actually a popular, um, actress you didn't need to find a purpose you were hot up and coming you were recruited she began recruiting other women uh, that were branded by Keith and were forced to have sex with him you know he needs to have a taste of them before he puts them out that's what pimps do that's what a pimp does she started crying and said to the judge oh I'm so lost you know but she pled guilty to racketeering, racketeering conspiracy charges uh, in regards to her role related to the group. She confessed, um, you know, that she was luring women into Nevixum, or they call it Nexium, Nexium, right? They call it Nexium. I keep calling it Nevixum. It's Nexium. Um, and there... She said after she, she admitted this, like, this is her testimony. Remember, but Snope said she never admitted to this, right? So she admitted to luring these women into Nexium and uh, where they extorted these women and coerced them to follow Keith Ringay's orders, orders such as do this sexual act on me or don't eat or jump or bark or go over there and please all of those people because I said so. And then she's like, I take full responsibility. Uh, No, you wouldn't, though. If you weren't caught, you wouldn't. If we didn't crack down on Backpage, you wouldn't. If we didn't have those 5,000 names that ICE had created itself, that ICE put together themselves in 2006, you wouldn't. Racketeering counts are just some 
of the charges and things she pled guilty to. She's also been charged with sex trafficking and conspiracy to commit sex trafficking and forced labor. Just to be clear, she was charged with these. And that's the thing that people don't seem to understand. Like even if you read the New York Times article, they pose it so well, thinking no one's going to read the bottom of the article where it clearly states when she was arrested last year, she was also charged with sex trafficking and conspiracy to commit sex trafficking and forced labor, pimping people out. And it's children, it's young women, it's disgusting. This is the ugly face of our country. This is a plague upon our nation. Especially when the people that help perpetuate and create the environment where these organizations can fester our elected officials, our law enforcement, our intelligence, our Pentagon, NASA. It's ridiculous. I urge you guys to read the article that I put out about Obama. Seriously. Um, you could just put like, you could go into the search bar and maybe put NASA or uh, fund ice or something like that. And you'll find it. It should be on the front page though. Cause I um, published it yesterday. I mean, the voices on human trafficking and child exploitation are getting louder. There was an op-ed in the San Antonio um, Express News, right, uh, by their U.S. attorney, uh, John Bash. He said that there is an epidemic of child sexual abuse in this country. This is the U.S. attorney for the Western District of Texas. He tells you that this is a big problem throughout our nation, a huge problem throughout our nation. And he should know he's in Texas. And the majority of the children in his area are from the southern border. He goes on to talk about a man who attempted to use cocaine to coax a girl into sex. This is how they do it. They've prosecuted an army sergeant who abused children on the base and convinced a woman to send him pictures of her own children. Yes, her own children engaging in sexually explicit conduct. Cases so disgusting, it'll make your stomach turn. But this is reality. Face the evil. What do they say? Call the demon by its name and he has no power. He lines it out for you on expressnews.com. Take a look at it. It is pretty stomach turning. The majority of these predators actually upload all the images and videos that they do when they perpetrate an abuse or you send them photos of yourself. What we need to be doing is educating our children, educating them how everything stays on the internet because we didn't grow up with the internet. Nothing stays alive. I mean, darn, if there was the internet back then or Facebook... I'd have some really compromising photos up there. It is our duty as parents and as part of this community to educate our young children about these predators that lie in the dark waiting for them. I'll see you all just after this break.
Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, for the second hour of the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Remember, you can always follow me on Twitter and Gab at Tori underscore says. And tomorrow I will have Cindy Gomez Shemp. You can follow her on Twitter at media underscore PPP. We're going to talk border. We're going to talk everything there is to know about the border. I mean, she's got some stellar sources, some stellar information. I mean, if you guys have seen the stuff that I've been sending to Senator Jeff Merkley, and we, we're going to be talking about all of that tomorrow. We are going to be putting him and Representative Correa on the spot, calling them to the carpet, calling these Democrats to the carpet that are creating these fake marriages, funneling and busing children across the border for what? Who do they got dealings with and why are they working with coyotes? We've got the Democrats working with coyotes, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Now, the first part of the show, I wanted you guys to, I wanted to demonstrate to you how uh, the attorney general who's putting forward his budget for 2020, what the priorities of the Department of Justice, according to our president, are. And so the majority, the first part of it was obviously them attacking him and telling him how he's not doing his job, of course, and him reinforcing how it is important and it is the top priority of the Department of Justice to tackle human and child trafficking. Uh, Coincidentally, all U.S. attorneys across the nation are writing op-eds about how disgusting these problems are. And again, uh, you know, this is something that people don't like to talk about. People don't want to look at. Um, but I urge you again, uh, go to expressnews.com and look for combating exploitation of children is every, everyone's business. That was um, an op-ed by U.S. Uh, attorney Bash for the Western District uh, in Texas. Uh, he will give you examples. I can uh, talk to many but this is one very concisely well-written piece uh, that pretty much makes the case that uh, Attorney General Barr was making this morning, too. Now, let's start again on the priorities of this administration and how they're reflected in the budget. So, again, every single time the Attorney General would talk about where he needs money or what he's doing, uh, he would point to the successes of this administration. So first of all, he started with the opioid epidemic. He said in 2018, we have had a rise of 27% in prosecuting people on a federal level for the opioid epidemic. Prescriptions for opioids have gone down by 23%. And that's 23%. In, con in contrast for the past 10 years. 
And then they are limiting, making legal limits of what you can do and what components you can give. Um, and that's 47% limitations. That's a huge deal. And did you know that between September 2017 and August 2018, during the Trump administration, overdose, overdosing deaths, according to the CDC, have gone down? So he asked for $295 million to combat opioid uh, issues where the FBI will be able to tackle and gather data and prosecute people for synthetic opioids and hospitals as you can see the justice.gov site is riddled with tons of announcements of hospitals and kickbacks and overprescription. he also wants to provide 11.5 million dollars for heroin enforcement to the dea he wants to give two million dollars uh, to the National OCDF Fund. Uh, he also wants to give the two hundred and fifty-four million dollars that it's uh, right now in the budget of the White House uh, for national control on drugs. He wants to give it to Hida and basically um, have the DEA transfer them the money. He wants to give it to them where they go down and they tackle drugs that are coming through the border. Uh, you know, but 245 million that for some reason had been sitting in the White House for initiatives of drug control. Um, he's pushing it down to HITA and he's it's HITA, right? And um, the DA down at the border to help do it. I mean, he said most drugs come from the border. And in 2018, uh, the DOJ charged more illegal entries and uh, more illegal re-entries. Um, and their prosecution rate on those are thirty up by 38%. Like they're working hard. He said in 2017, there was a surge obviously, when President Trump took control for immigration judges. The, right now, we have the largest number of judges. It's 46% more judges than we had three years ago. Eight, for eight years during the Obama administration, immigration judges would go down in numbers. And the case completions are still on a backlog they're actually happening faster and we have more case completions in 2017. Like we've completed more immigration cases in the year of 2017 than have ever been completed in the past seven years all together. So like for every person that comes in, they have a hearing date, right? That's a case. When is it completed? How is it completed? Not completed. Seven years. Let's pretend they had a hundred cases in seven years. Well, in 2008, we did like 500. It's like an insane number. So the budget also asked for $71 million to hire another hundred new immigration judges to beef the staff up to 634 judges, which will be double the amount of judges from 2016. So in 2016, we had roughly 310 immigration judges. Now we want to make it 634. We want to add another hundred. So we have like about 500 somewhat. So we are cracking down on this. 
He's also asking for uh, th- for for this money because they came back to him. I think during the discussion. Oh, you know that's a lot. We need a lot of. Money. He's like, listen, man, we have eight hundred and sixty thousand cases on backlog. The thousand, right? Eight hundred and almost a million cases on backlog. Like this is a crisis. So this money is warranted. Like how do you answer that? Oh, it's normal to have a million cases and back. It's totally not like a hundred, maybe a thousand, but 860,000. That's pretty incredible. And he also asked for $6 million to give to rural law enforcement on the border to help them, you know, fight crime, to help them identify um, organized rings, to be able to identify them in order to mitigate, right? So he's asked for that as well. He's asked to support the rural towns by the border, not the big cities. And, you know, he also said that he needs $75 million for national security um, to enhance the cyber information that they have and the, and the sharing, which I don't like too much. Like it was a, but what he's doing it on is actually 16 million for the vetting. So when people come through our border that we actually can vet who they are. And that's really, really hard because how can you vet without the information from another country? You can't. If the other country doesn't want to give you that information because it's their citizen information, how do you vet it? You really can't. So, so that's interesting. I thought, you know, the budget altogether reflects what our president has been saying. It's not off of what he's been saying. He's been pounding. We need security. We have too much crime. We need to save the children. These people are sick. He's been stating it. All the while, he's fighting a globally initiated, globally colluded. They're all colluding together to overthrow our president. But this is where we get popcorn. Because they are literally going tits up. They have nothing. They have elections coming and they're losing. They're in full panic mode. Have you guys seen how many protests are going on right now in Europe? Well, I don't know, like right now it's 12. Yeah, they could still be out on the streets. Italy, France, Portugal, Greece, Ukraine, name it. They are out on the street. Norway, Sweden, they are all out on the street. All of them, Germany. All of them, and they don't even show it to you. Of course, they're not going to show it to you because these people are saying, get out of NATO, get out of the EU. We can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. We're not taking any more of these fugitives of other nations. We're not taking them anymore. We can't. We don't have the capacity. We're full. Just like our president said, we're full. They're really full. (laughs) They are super full. Like I know from friends that live in Greece, the schools are above capacity. They don't even have the ability to teach most of these refugees that for some reason aren't even from the Middle East. The majority of them are from West Africa, Somalia, and India, in Pakistan, it's like, I didn't know that they were, ref- I mean, we know the Somalis are refugees, but the only Somali refugees we should have are the Christians, not the Muslims. So it's really weird, the type of people you see. Because if you ask, there's not a lot of them that are Iraqi. There's not a lot of them that are Kuwaiti, because most of those people have actually sought refuge in neighboring countries, like the people that had the bakery, you know, in Iraq before it was blown up. They moved and they went to other countries like Egypt and opened up a bakery 
there or worked there. You know, they went to neighboring countries that are close in proximity, uh, you know, in regards to distance, but also very close to the traditions that they hold. Like if the woman wants to wear a burqa, she could wear a burqa because that's what they do. But, you know, you don't go to other countries and uh, that you can't assimilate with. So anyway... So here we have that. I also wanted to discuss something about Europe, just so you guys understand just how frustrating it is. There was this Polish guy um, who was living in Germany and he had children. His wife just died from cancer. Uh, He had absolutely no money. It was really hard for him to recover, get a job. So CPS of Germany, of course, your children, they take them away. And they put them into foster care with these um, refugees, like legit. They're all, you know, Muslim refugees. I think they were from Libya or, or Syria, Syria, I think, from Syria. And so his Christian children, right, uh, he's, he's Russian, he's Russian, that migrated, right, or as a refugee went to, to Germany. And he's not Polish, sorry, but he went to Poland. I'll tell you what happened. So this Russian goes to Germany, right? He lives there, wife dies of cancer, can't, you know, really hold down a job after that, has his two daughters. Germany comes in and says, give me your kids and hands them over to these refugees as foster care. So the kids are complaining that they have to like abide by their rules, that they're supposed to be doing this prayer stuff, this whole nine yards. So one day the father takes the children and runs away. So he runs and seeks asylum in Poland. That's where he ended up. And the only reason is he was actually returning, I think, back to Russia or something. And they stopped him in Warsaw because the the Germans said that he had kidnapped his own kids. Now, in Germany, when they take away your kids, you don't lose your parental rights. So technically, he didn't steal his kids because he hadn't lost his parental rights. They had temporarily taken them away from him uh, to see if he can get better, which, you know, that never happens. But anyway... So he went to Poland and the Polish people were so appalled, like what the children were saying, three kids he had, sorry, not two, um, what the children were saying they had to go through and how Germany dealt with the situation. Now, when in the United States we have foster children, right? The first thing we want to do is put them in homes that they can assimilate with easily, right? You're not going to take a um, a foster child and stick it in a home where, you know, um, they have like weird, I don't know, like a theme going in the house, like I don't know, like a retro 50s theme. And you're supposed to talk in a certain way or chew gum. There's not any crazy rules. I mean, in America, we're all pretty much understanding of that, right? We're not going to stick them in places where they cannot be themselves. Um, it, which is really weird because that speaks volumes for Germany to take children and put them with refugees. Children that have no association with them and the children are forced to abide by the house rules of how they must pray, how they must eat, and how they must speak, look, and dress is a big stretch. That is not how you should foster children. And here's the deal. Based on that case as I was looking into it, and I think Jack Posobiec actually tweeted something about that out, or maybe he put it on Facebook. I did a little bit of digging, and I have a lot of friends and family that live in Germany. And apparently, nine out of ten foster families, the people that actually take children in, are refugees. That's actually their job. Did you hear what I just said? That in Germany, refugees are employed by working for the government to be foster families. You get me now? 
What does that tell you? Look, this gentleman lost his wife from cancer, had three children. She had just died. It was a couple weeks. He was finding it really difficult to find a job. He was still grieving. I mean, at that point, this is where your country kicks in. Here's some food stamps. Let me help you out. Let's get some grief counseling. Let's see what we can do to help you. Not let me take your kids away and give them out to these refugees until you sort yourself out. That's not how we help people. And I think the president actually made note to that. You know, one bad bill and you're in the stuck. You're stuck in the rut. We need to fix those programs. We need to fix the program where people can get into a bad situation and, you know, just lose everything. I did. My husband inhaled a chemical at work in um, right uh, around Christmas, before Christmas, um, not Christmas, New Year's Eve in 2016. Guys, you know, obviously being railroad, you don't get workers comp. And it, we lost our house. I had to like, it was $130,000 in expenses taking him to, um, national Jewish in Colorado to get healthcare because the healthcare in the state sucks. I mean, all they did was like, here's some steroids. Maybe you'll breathe better. Two months later, he still can't breathe. So we, I totally understand that something like that can happen. I mean, it's not like everybody has, you know, hundred thousand dollars sitting around, um, to tend to an emergency of that nature that some people just one bill of $200 can literally floor them. Um, and we need to find ways, um, to fix that. And, uh, that's one thing our president has addressed and I'm looking forward to seeing actually something like that being done. But the point that I'm trying to make is the right help needs to be available to people, right? That is the idea of every state assistance program. Tell me honestly, and think about it. What do you think the goal was of taking children away and putting them with refugees? Like you're employing the refugees that have come to your country to be foster parents, to be foster parents when they hardly speak English, to take care of German children or other nationality children in a household where these people themselves are refugees and hardly speak German. That speaks volumes of what they're doing to the young children. And I'm going to, you know, I I want to introduce another um, uh, story that has been going around. And you can only find it on the local uh, channel of Frankfurt um, where I saw it. And I was pretty um, distressed. There was a young mom uh, who had her daughter, right, uh, at a young age, right, raised her. Everything's great. She's actually finishing up grad school, and she got into a car accident, and her leg was broken. Her daughter at the time when she broke her leg um, last year was 11, and so here's the woman complaining to the reporter saying, I broke my leg. Obviously, I had to pause from school so they wouldn't give me the stipend as a graduate student. Um, and I was at home. Uh, they brought nurses to my home, brought me meals because I couldn't, you know, it was like up to the femur. It was really bad. And I couldn't stay in the hospital for care. So the state would bring me food and everything. Well, three days into it, this nurse reports the fact that she has a child and she can't help the child. And the child's pretty much able to do her her own stuff. She's 11. The neighbor would make sure she went to school with her friend and, you know, she would save some of the food that the lady would bring or she would eat with the neighbor, or eat at the school, right? It's not like the kid was being neglected. She couldn't bathe her, but, you know, mom's in a hospital bed that the government put in there for her. So 
They take her kid away. Now, the government refused to give her her child back or allow her to petition for her child back until she was able to walk or be as well as she was before she was hit by the car or whatever. So she gets better and nine months later, she petitions the court for her child. And this is uh, 2017. She petitions the court for the child. The court constantly gets delayed. She's not allowed to have contact with her daughter. Keep in mind, right? When they take it away, you can't like see your kids, right? It's like no contact. Um, and finally, uh, she had appealed to like the European high council or whatever. And she had some form of court date and her daughter was in a burqa setup, like no joke. Her daughter was speaking Arabic. Her daughter was saying she'd rather stay with these people. And, you know, because her mom isn't godly and, you know, she's promiscuous and doesn't like guys, this is reality. And, you know, we see it in our local schools where they train the kids to be soft and, and, and mushy and, oh, your parents shouldn't yell at you. They should understand, you know, use your words. You know, it's like back in the day, it used to be a back slap and you would ship shape right quick. Back in the day, you used to go out till the lights were out and then you'd come home. That's what back in the day was when children were children. Now they're made of glass. And even in our school systems, we see how they implement these things where, tell us, is there something going on at home you want to talk about? And they mask it as if they care. And then these kids sit there and, you know, kids are weird, right? Kind of like that little girl, impressionable, right? They're really weird. I mean, I've had some weird, (laughs) weird things uh, fall on my ears for my kids. And I'm like, man, don't repeat that stuff. Do not repeat it to anyone. They will put you in a straitjacket, you know, from a younger age, of course. And even now, my 13-year-old, she'll throw out a pearl of wisdom and I'd be like, what? Um, You know, she was like, I was watching some YouTube videos and I'm pretty convinced the earth is flat. And I was like, that's great. You can believe whatever you want, but don't tell anyone. That's the kind of stuff (laughs) she's like, well, no, it's not flat. Maybe it's a donut. (laughs) These are things that kids say. So kids that are experimenting with things that you're kind of like, I don't know, man that doesn't really happen or unicorns don't really happen or your foot doesn't kick up when you get your first kiss doesn't really happen. These are the children that are so easily, um, their minds are malleable. Their thoughts are malleable. Their feelings are malleable. And the educational system within our country is creating this soft, oh, how do I put it? It's going to be a cuss word if I say it, so I have to like find the right words for this. Mm. So they're making them all into front holes, maybe extra soy or something like that, because it just doesn't make sense. Children these days are very sensitive. Uh, We have the highest suicide rate in children ever in the history of our nation, 46% increase since 2010. And in 2010, it was the highest then with a 58% increase from the year 2000. And in the year 2000, suicide rate had gone up by 82% compared to 1990. So them 90s kids didn't really want to kill themselves. 
And a lot of people will say it factors into cyberbullying and harassment and because there's new forms of harassment now. People just berate you online. You get pedophiles following you. You get crazy people following. And you know what? Here's the weird thing. And it's usually not the kids doing the trolling. It's the moms of the kids doing the trolling. Uh, so I saw this expose a few months ago uh, of a child that committed suicide because she was being bullied. I think it was out of Nebraska. Gosh darn it, I don't remember. The girl was like 14 years old. Uh, she was very pretty, but very meek, you know, in speech. And um, her daughter was one of those, you know, bullies that live in a trailer you know just the really really bad ones the ones that you would see in a movie that live in a bus you know one of those girls but she was a huge bully and so she was bullying the girl in person at school but didn't really mess with her online like she didn't friend her she didn't follow her it turns out that the mom of the bully because the bully was constantly getting in trouble by the school because of the girl actually went online and in a very sophisticated way started to put exploitive pictures of her making them up of course created memes of her started putting it up like that's criminal cyber harassment and that was an adult doing it for the kid so um before this break i just wanted to say yes this idiot box, the TV and the computer, bring out the most nastiest side of us. The nastiest. This is where everyone thinks they're invisible and they can say whatever they want. But it's not always the children. The children are so made of glass. Um, you know, they do have the capabilities of doing, but they're guided. Look at just yours as adults. Look at your Facebook feeds. Look at the nasty comments people put. Look at what they respond to. I mean, I'm pretty, f I think I'm funny. Seriously, I do. I, some people might think I'm not because I'm not that socially. Um, I'm the type of person that if uh, I don't agree with you, I won't just say it because it's the nice thing to say. I'll be like, you're wrong. You know, I'll just say it. No, you know, I don't get it. I don't get feelings over facts. It's facts first, then feelings. So our children are being molded and they're being attacked. That is something that has been put forward and we all understand. And this is why we're seeing this wave of demand of going back to homeschooling. Wow. Break already. I'll see you all in just a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 
That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Okay, so welcome back to the Tori Says Show. This is the last half hour. And today I wanted to talk about, um, you know, border crisis, like touch upon that. I spoke about William Barr, but I think human trafficking is really important uh, to talk about and what's going on with education. And I wanted to demonstrate to you how these people get away with it legally with federal and state taxpayer money. But before I get into that, I just wanted to point out something that I forgot to make a point of earlier. William Barr stated that he will be releasing the report in about a week. Why? Because we had the Israeli elections. Why? Because we have the Brexit on the 12th. I mean, we can't look like we're meddling with elections by putting out names. Remember, he said, we don't, if we're not going to charge them, we don't want to maim them, you know, and name them and just cause problems to their person. He's talking about Theresa May. He's talking about the Queen, who's going to be announcing soon that she's having a state visit with President Trump, even though they were like, we're never going to have him because they need him. Because look at what he did. Pulled the, hey, you want a tariff? I want a tariff. You want to put subsidies? I'm game. Because you're broke and we're not. We have money. We have an economy. We have jobs. People want to come to our country. People want to leave yours. So we're okay on putting tariffs. We're game. So that's that. I also wanted to mention that we did have um, some uh, announcements, in, you know, from the Department of Defense side in regards to space exploration and stuff like that. I mean, I, I think I've already told my listeners, my youngest is like, she's joining Space Force. Um, and I'm actually jealous <laughs> that she's going to join uh, Space Force. But um, what we need to uh, see is that this human and child trafficking is very, very important. 
And the crackdown of this is important because it's not the, the meth head or the drug dealer that's, you know, prostituting like in the article that I wrote in New York with this guy named by the name of Hot Dog. Seriously, that was his name. He'd go on Facebook and find chicks and set up dates. Right. And then he would pay them, you know, the, the people that they would date with, you know, would then pay them and the girls would have to hand over the money and he'd get their cut. But then in most senses, these girls were paid with heroin. So these are all drug dealers, drug addicts, and they'd give them drugs and then they'd have to hand over all this money to hot dog. Well, what if I told you that there are organized companies, organizations, charities, right? That pose as, oh, we're doing so much good. Look at us. We're just so awesome. We're like helping everyone, all these children, foster children. We're helping with adoptions. We're bringing these awesome refugees that commit murders and crimes. But, you know, we're just looking to help. Yeah, those. Those that can get away with over $200 million in fraud in grant money and not be held accountable. I kid you not. I kid you not. The, the, the concern that I have is, okay, I live in the state of North Dakota. So, um, even though I was investigating this state along with others in regards to the actions of Lutheran social services, which we all know is the company that imported Ilhan Omar is the company or charity, as you want to call it, that threw a fundraiser for her, right? That diddles in children, you know, foster care. Remember that example that I gave you in, in Germany, how they're giving jobs to refugees to be foster parents. They're doing the same thing here in the United States. This is what I wanted to point out. Now, all of you have a website. You can go to, um, you could just go to DuckDuckGo and type in ND for North Dakota State Auditor Single Audit HHS, Health and Human Services. My local media, this audit has been up since March 25th of 2019, and none of them have spoken about it. None. It is riddled with actual crimes. The summary says over $4 billion in federal awards, $4 billion were spent between 2017 and June 2018 under more than 600 individual programs. Four billion B with a boy. This counts multiple agencies with awards under the same federal program separately, right? It says 18. So remember when an auditor does an audit, they don't like look at every single portion. They take like a, a percentage, right? A percentage. So he even made note 18 federal programs or clusters of programs were audited, which covered 63% of the total expenditure of federal awards. That means there were a total of 30 different federal programs. He only looked at 18. 46 findings were identified affecting 38 of them. 40 of the 46 findings relate to the state's internal controls. The states. What? What? So you mean the state on 40 counts is responsible for some money diddling? Uh Uh-huh. 23 programs were affected by repeat findings. 1.9 million in questioned costs were identified. Seven finding had additional unknown amounts of questioned costs. And they put 40, uh, 14,000 hours into this. Now, I want to tell you guys 
that here are some findings that they found. First of all, Lutheran Social Services, which has almost all control of fostering children, adopting children, and refugees, is obliged because they operate with state and federal taxes to provide their financial reportings and how they use the funds, you know, on a regular basis. First of all, it should be provided in an open record request. I can say that I can pat myself on the back for this single audit report because I have been making noise for years now about this. I had the OIG of HHS come in and they completed an, an OIG investigation where they found that people in child care centers or people that dealt with children were literally pedophiles, registered sex offenders, or kitty diddling them on site. This is like real stuff. Like the OIG of HHS reported this. This isn't, oh yeah, so-and-so told me and so-and-so heard some, something. This is OIG. Well, this auditor's report indicates that one individual was paid 750 over $750,000 over a period of 15 months. Instead of paying them $1,500 for adopting a child, they were paying them $51,000 a month for one child. What does that sound like to you? Right. Have you ever been in a business and miskeyed payments to people? What if you miskeyed almost a million dollars? Where would you be right now? Certainly not at work, certainly behind bars, and certainly indicted for money laundering, fraud, extortion, theft, or something along that nature. But guess what? They didn't. They have this company, Lutheran Social Services, that receives close to a billion dollars a year in federal and tax funding for refugees, for foster children, for adoptions. And guess what? They don't even check the papers they send them. They could email them. Here's our report. And it could be blank. No one even opened the email like nobody checks. They have not filed anything correctly. And this is how it works. Okay. You and me get into business. I'm like, Oh, I want to do good. I want to do so much good. So I have this land. So, Hey, federal government, give me $400 million so I can build a building with bedrooms and apartments so I can rent them to these poor foster children. So I can house them like in a group home. And the federal government's like, Oh my God, you guys are so cool. Here's the money. And we build it. We've invested and paid $10,000 for the land and we've built this building where we house children or refugees or, you know, uh, I don't know, elderly people, whatever it is. So we get this, we build it. And then it's like, okay, in order to live here, you have to be um, in the foster care system to be part of the house. You have to have no parents. Oh, so for each child, I get how much in rent? Oh, I get 800. Okay. State of North Dakota, you need to pay me $800 for each child. State of North Dakota says federal government, I need $800 for each child. And it's like, cool. So then $800 for each child. Let's pretend there's 10 rooms for these kids. That's $8,000 that Lutheran social services pockets. They pocket it because here's the thing. Oh, you know, we need to feed the child. Oh, here's the stipend for their food. Oh, they use electricity and they use, um, you know, gas and internet and TV. Here's a stipend for their utilities and they need some clothes. Here's a stipend for their clothes. So they pay absolutely nothing. And then you wonder, 
First, how are they a nonprofit when they're circularly refunding themselves with government money? And two, where's this money going? Yeah, I'll tell you where. They buy food banks. And in the food bank, it's like where people donate food. So why are you buying a food bank? They just paid a million dollars to buy a food bank. Guys, this is real stuff. When they move kids around, when they move humans around, they need to wash their money. They wash their money. While reading this 254-page audit, it reeked of money laundering, guys. It's not misappropriation BS. Who miskeys $750,000? Who accidentally pays an invoice that doesn't exist of $68,000? Who has repeat payments to an account that doesn't have anything attached to it, you know, monthly? $50,000. These are things that, that, that people need to think about. This is our money that they're taking, our tax money that they're taking, and they're funding criminal operations. It's pretty incredible. But what's more incredible is that people don't see these. They think scumbag, you know, that steals children and pimps women. And now that idea has changed. No, it's the rich and famous because we've seen it with Alison Mack and Claire Bromfman and so many other people that are coming forward to be put out in the public as such monsters. But what if it's your own government? You heard the woman say when she was being trafficked that she would go to people that would help her and they would participate and say, hey, you know, we're only human too. It's just a job. We don't really believe in law enforcement. And it's like, that's so true. Do you know that in the United States right now, it is expected that there's over 100,000 spies from other countries? Estimated. Do you know that it is estimated that over a million people in government positions have in their lifetime committed a sexual crime? We all know that there is a slush fund for those in D.C. in the Capitol, you know, to cover up for their sexual harassment suits, rape suits, you know, all that stuff. And yet, we have the mainstream media that purports that Pizzagate is not real, that people don't do these uh, atrocities, that this monstrosity of slaving people or eating people or using them for organs is not real. If it wasn't real, the Department of Justice wouldn't make it its top priority. If it wasn't real, all these people wouldn't be going to jail. If it wasn't real then you wouldn't be fighting it. This is the same concept with Q. If movements and statements flutter something inside someone to say enough is enough, they kill it immediately. They try to make you think that you didn't read it right. Oh, that email of her sacrificing a chicken to Moloch. You remember that email that Hillary Clinton? Oh, you know, that was out of context. Kind of not. Did you see the thread? They were all talking about it kind of seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, they just meant that the children will be enjoying the pool. You didn't read it right. Uh, no, that's not what it said. It's that, that this child, this child, and this child will be in the pool for your entertainment. 
What about Podesta, his brother coming up to Minot, North Dakota to find attorneys for these military officials? One of them was an airman, right, who was arrested. Four of them were arrested. One name exists, Zermi, Z-H-E-R-M-I-E, somewhere for child exploitation, child trafficking, and sexual contact with children, luring minors with a computer on the same day that a woman was arrested for pimping her six-month-old baby out from the Air Force Base. Why was Tony Podesta here, and why was he upset with the Air Force, and why was it difficult to find an attorney and speak to the judge? Because what he said in the email was that it was a little bit hard to get, you know, it's hard with the Air Force. But you know why he came here? Mitigation. Who was the judge on that case? That's who you need to investigate. Pull her finances, FBI. Let's take a look at her finances. Let's look at the judge's finances and see what kind of money she got in 2015 when Tony Podesta strutted his butt up here to kill that case. The woman, obviously, was tried and convicted three years later. When they had evidence that she was advertising sex with her six-month-old infant. Because again, if you start understanding that they don't see human beings as human beings, but as commodities, as consumer products, I mean, you can't really fathom that, can you? But there are people that do that. Then you will understand how they operate. Then you can see clearly how they move and how they do things. That is what they do. Here's a task. April 25th is around the corner. Why don't you kind of take a look around your city, around your state, and see what parties are being held on farms. Maybe they're barbecues or by the lake. You know, look and see what kind of parties are popping around April 25th, if not on the day. That's Alice Day, man. They celebrate it hard. That's the day they get together. And that video that I played was over a year ago. And that woman on the video was talking about it over a year ago. So she was talking about it since what? 2016, 2017. And you're listening to it now. People have been saying this all the time. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, we have the darknet and we should just check it. No, darknet is free net. Darknet is where you go when you don't want to be found. And we're going to have really ugly stuff there. I've said it too. Have you ever been to the nerve center of the, of 8chan or 4chan? Nerve center in 8chan riddled with, you know, disgusting images. Children even, or cartoons that portray children too. It's disgusting. You can't unsee that stuff. That's why you should never go to the nerve center and start buffing around, right? You should always go targeted to where you're going on your forum because you can't unsee things. Snuff films hidden all over there. You know what a snuff film is, right? It's those women that are trafficked that end up at some guy's house because they've been told to go and they have no choice. They don't know what they're going to come up with. Could be just some guy that wants a cuddle. Could be just some two dudes that want cuddles. Could be that they want more. Or it could be someone that wants to put on a snuff film. And snuff films are where they kill the person that they're engaging in. This is real stuff. And when you're trafficked, you're a no-name. And that border gives you a lot of no-names. You don't know Consuela from Guatemala. Her mom probably doesn't even know her. Because her mom doesn't even exist probably. 
Or her mom is out there looking for her, remembering how she was at six, but doesn't know her now at 16. That's how it works. That's if she makes it to 16 when she's trafficked. You know, you should look at that video that I put out there tagging Jeff Merkley. That woman, child, she's actually, what, 16? That's her son, who's a year they met with Jeff. She was getting her son drunk, purporting, yeah, let's see him. He's going to get be drunk soon. You know, they met with him. I find out yesterday that these children that Jeff Merkley took so much attention to went there out of his way. He created a program to get them to the border, and they're actually on the U.S. side in a facility right now. Why are they so obsessed with the children? Why do they have contracts with like Southwest key contractors? Why do they have all these border companies that are supposedly helping youths? Why are they so obsessed with children? It is the biggest moneymaker because, you know, once you get it as a child, you can make it reproduce and it'll make you more kids. Do you know how many of them are enslaved just to pop babies out too to contribute to the brood? You guys, it is, it is a rabbit hole. Just like the guy said on the news segment that I played, that is, that is horrific. That is something that you don't even want to fall into because it will drive you insane. Now, shifting a bit gears. Because we only got five minutes, believe it or not. Let's talk Mueller report, okay? (laughs) So in this Mueller report, as we know, and from what William Barr told us, there are grand jury outstanding grand jury discussions. There's indictments. There's further um, investigations. And obviously, high-level names that we don't want to drag through the mud if we're not going to prosecute them. If we're not going to prosecute it, why put them out there? And so they just want to know these high level names, right? They're just like, well, we just want to know. And, you know, I would be totally game. Let's show up. Let's show them the Australians. Let's show them the Germans. Let's show them uh, the British. Let's show them. Let the people know, even if you're not going to prosecute, I guess, let them know. I'm game. Don't do it yet, but I'm game. Maybe they could push on that so they could see a name. Maybe someone can drop them a little tidbit saying, oh, it's so-and-so's friend, you know, someone they don't like, a critic maybe. Maybe, ooh, it's Sean Handy, and they're going to be like, give it to us now with Pitchfork. And then it's like, boom, no, it's your sister. You know, <laughs> the Mueller report is going to be filled with so much stuff, right, stuff, that it'll make heads spin. And it's going to be released within a week. And I told you up until the 21st of May, it's going to be popping. We're going to have a lot of stuff happen. Uh, We know Cassandra Fairbanks. She was, I don't know if she's still in London. She was up until yesterday watching out for Julian Assange. Remember, we got that. We got the Ecuadorian president here next week in D.C. for an event where he's speaking for for an hour. Uh, You think the president of Ecuador is going to come into town and not meet with the president? I don't know. What do you think? presidents just appear in countries like that and don't meet with presidents i don't know tell me it's gonna be pretty interesting so we got that coming up what else do we have coming up do you guys see what's going on have you seen what the president has been talking about pretty much the fake news pretty much the border right but he's also talking about ilhan omar right her attacks on 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 jews right 
She's got a big problem. She called out Stephen Miller, calling him a white supremacist. Like, this woman is a real problem. She asked for her crowd to rise up. What does that sound like? Jihad, doesn't it? Totally. Totally, totally, totally. And today is, you know, I want to say something. I would have, and I'm so glad he didn't, but it would have been the perfect troll, but he won't. And I'm pretty sure the president thought about this. Tell me that you didn't think about it either. It's National Former Prisoner of War Day. What did you guys think? Totally? Did we think the same thing? Yeah. I would have totally dogged on McCain. See, I would have said this would have, this is kind of John McCain's holiday, but not really because he was a volunteer. But I'm not going to say that out loud. You know, Megan McCain will start crying again or something. So the president has told you today is a nothing burger. Today he's told you we've set our fires in the EU and we've got this Mueller report and these FISA warrants in our back pocket. They can't move. They're messing with our economy because they're dying. So they're increasing tariffs on our end. Right. So we're going to give them tariffs back. Annex down. Cheeses, everything. I mean, if you guys see what we're tariffed on, it's ridiculous. He goes on to talk about fake news and this anti-Semitic rhetoric. Um, There is a huge deal with these fake crime hoaxes. I mean, think about the guy from New York right now who's been arrested and is being questioned because he threatened Ilhan Omar. Because I was actually victim of that when I was talking about Native American children going missing. I was like, they go missing all the time. This is like my forte. And she was like, did you just threaten my kids? And it's like, uh, can you not read? Um, so this, this happens all the time to kind of perpetuate fake hoaxes. I am, you know, completely distraught for this young man. And the fact that nobody on the right is talking about it pisses me off. This is a 21-year-old guy who called her office, gave his real name and his real phone number, and he said some things that a lot of people want to tell Ilhan Omar, especially from the way she acts. Maybe it wasn't right. Maybe, you know, he overdid it by saying, yeah, I should just put a bullet in your head, you know. Um, Yeah, you don't go around saying that. But, you know, with your friends, you're probably saying it. Tons of people. You just say stuff that you don't really mean. And this didn't seem like a threat. It's not like, I'm going to take a gun and come down there. This is a 21-year-old boy saying it. And now he's wrapped around in federal investigations, you know, and I am so praying. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm praying. I am praying that someone in her office gave false testimony. I am praying that Ilhan Omar gives some fake information. And the reason I say it is because I know the way they operate in the areas of where she comes from and what they do is that they exaggerate to add more to it so I'm really hoping they added something they shouldn't so we can get her for that to say maybe oh he called me another time or oh I ran into him when I was here you know I'm really hoping they exaggerate because I feel really bad for this guy so we should all pray for him he was just dumb used bad words that's pretty bad tomorrow Remember, this week is going to be explosive. Tomorrow is going to be popping because today the president is taking a break. I don't know. I might be coming in from Europe. Just saying. Until then, all from all of us here at Red State, have a wonderful evening. God bless. See you tomorrow, 12 to 2, Monday through Friday.
town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C. But it goes to 